0: Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Join Rabbi Michael Siegel from Anshayam and Synagogue in Chicago and author Jonathan Eig as they talk about this week's Torah portion of Devarim, The Purpose of a Memoir. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Rabbi. How are you? I'm good. I was going to tell you a little story and ask you to reflect on something. When I was um, beginning, even before I began my book about Martin Luther King, I was meeting with Dick Gregory, the, the famous activist and comedian, and he asked me a question. He said, do you know the difference between Martin Luther King and Jesus? <laughs> and at first I thought it was a joke, like a riddle, you know, because he's a, he's a comedian after all, but he was not joking. No, he said, the difference is that we have, we have film footage, we have audio tape, we have proof of everything or much of what Martin Luther King said. And it occurred to me that, um, you know, it was interesting. First of all, he's putting Martin Luther King in the category of, uh, of a prophet, certainly, which, uh, Rabbi Heschel also proclaimed. Um, But he's saying the big important difference is that we don't have to guess what he said or rely on the Bible um, and rely on a word that has been handed down over the course of many years. We have, we have primary source material and I wondered, you know, just how important that would be and what it would be like if we had primary source material on Moses.
1: If we have the video of Moses um, speaking to the people of Israel. So, because otherwise we're sort of dependent on either the writer or eyewitnesses. Yeah. And one of the things that troubles
0: me as somebody who comes along many years later and tries to tell a story is I don't know for sure what I can count on as as accurate, as reliable. Just because um, Martin Luther King wrote several books doesn't mean I can count on even those as being reliable because um, some of them he had help writing, some of them he had a purpose in writing them and wanted to and they might be perceived as propaganda. and of course, we all have a tendency to embellish and to shape the stories in the way that we think will make them most effective or um, make or portray us the way we want to be p- portrayed. So everything has to be taken with a grain of
1: salt. Unless you have absolute proof, you had that happen with um, Alex Haley and going through the Playboy interview right i found
0: the transcript of the interview so that i was able to see what what was actually on the tape before it got edited for the magazine and that helps but even then um you know there's there's still room for doubt unless you're there unless you're watching it happen and um and and even with journalists who are there who are watching it happen sometimes you have to wonder whether they're reporting it accurately so it might be seem like a very good source because it's in the paper the next day or it's on tv news that night but who edited that film footage or who edited that speech and decided which, which parts to put on the air or in the newspaper and which parts to leave
1: out? You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the book of Deuteronomy, which is uh, the portion that we're going to talk about today. And the book of Deuteronomy is basically Moses's memoir. This is his experience of what took place over the last 30, 39 years as they of, of wandering, and so we kind of imagine him taking note of uh, of what took place and this, I think, in some ways was the equivalent of having a videotape right so it 's not mm-hmm. just the history, but you have someone who witnessed it or actually led the event telling the story. Unfortunately, in the same way that uh, Alex Haley was able to edit the interview with Martin Luther King. So two, we're looking at at Moses's edits or how he remembered something. And of course, it would be very different from someone else's perspective. Yeah,
0: and we don't have this in Moses's own hand. Presumably someone heard his recollections and and wrote it down for him. So there's there's even more room for interpretation, to put it
1: politely. I think there's two ways to look at it. One way is that you can embellish someone in memory by taking their perspective, we can embellish a person's memory. I think one of the things that we do in our society today is because you have the footage or you have a hot mic or you have all of the information. And so every leader has clay feet. And so you can actually never really see the leader as a model in the way that we once did. And I wonder if that's problematic. So let me me give you an example of what I mean. In the book of Numbers, we have the story of the spies. And the spies are going to be the downfall of the people that are actually dying, that have already died out, and now ostensibly a new generation is rising up. The way Moses recalls it, he says, When the Lord heard your loud complaint, God was angry. God vowed not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers. None except Caleb and Joshua. And then he goes on to say, because of you, the Lord was incensed with me too, and he said, you shall not enter it either. Well, that's not exactly the way it happened. The way mm-hmm. it happened was that Moses hit the rock, right, with a stick, God with His rod, you know Moses had this rod, and God said, "Speak to the rock, and the water will flow." But Moses was so angry with the people for a whole variety of reasons, he started hitting the rock and called them rebels, and really castigated the people. And in that moment, God did not allow Moses to enter the promised land. But Moses has a very different recollection. Sort of your fault. This happened. This happened to be because of you, and. So it's interesting because in a way, we're getting an insight into Moses, but in a way, we're also getting kind of a negative as well. If all we had was the book of Deuteronomy, then that would be the story we would tell. But we have other other sources. And so how much of a memoir is for the purpose of embellishing someone's reputation? And how much of a memoir is for the purpose of creating a historical record? That's such a good question. And, and um when you were talking about it, I
0: was thinking about how early in my book writing career, I was really reluctant to use memoir because I thought, well, this is just his propaganda. This is just his way of telling the story the way he hopes history will remember him. And I'm not going to be suckered into that. But I think that in some ways I made a mistake. I think that I should have been more open to using those memoirs, but I should have been done so with, with a degree of skepticism, but also, you know, openness to the idea that as you said, with Moses, it might provide insight into his character. Why is he telling the story this way? Why is he trying to spin this? What does it reveal about his personality? So maybe if we can't rely on on Moses to be completely accurate, we can look at this as an opportunity to better understand his character and his set of experiences and why he's feeling the way he's
1: feeling. Right. So on the on the surface level... You read the story, or read Moses's memoir, and say, "Whoa, um, somebody is really using uh, whiteout here." Whiteout, for those people who aren't old enough to remember, was a <laughs> it was a little bit of like a white ink that you could put over your uh, typed sheet. Now you got to explain typewriters too, Rabbi.
0: This is just right, a right, waste right, of right. your was time. To, okay, I'm <laughs> going to stop here.
1: But it, it's a way. It's a way of. Um, it's a way of changing history. Right. And kind of just taking it away. It's an
0: eraser. Yeah, let's just, let's just call it an eraser. Right, thank you. All right. All right. All right. Or it's the delete okay. button. It's the delete it's a, it's a, button.
1: Exactly. It's the delete button. Right. Exactly right. But I want to suggest that maybe if we look at it at a deeper level, what you're looking at is a real insight into Moses as a leader. Because remember, he has been fighting for this people. He has saved them on multiple occasions. But they pushed him to the brink at that point in time. He was mourning for his sister Miriam. The people were screaming about water yet again. And they were saying, you know, they were also complaining about him bringing them out of Egypt and longing to return to Egypt where there was plenty of water. So Moses is got a bad memory. And because of all of this, he's not allowed to go into the land that he fought so hard for. And he has to lead them and prepare them to go into the land. So he doesn't quit. He stays with it. And we don't actually hear him complaining. This is one of the only times you kind of get an insight into him. And so in a way, you have to ask yourself, I'll ask you, Jonathan, if you if you endured everything that Moses endured and you put yourself in the position that Moses put himself into risking his life, not only with Pharaoh, but then with God to protect the people, and the same people continues to turn on him, and he's still tasked with taking them through the land. Would you have turned in your resignation?
0: Oh yeah, I, I don't even think I would have gotten as far <laughs> as Moses did. I would have lasted a, a matter of minutes and quit. I would have uh, faxed in my resignation just to continue talking about outdated technology. Um, so <laughs> that's the, that, that's the thing about the um, about the lesson. One of the lessons I you know i learned from. From writing about heroes is that it's easy to criticize them or to say that they had moments of doubt or frustration but how many of us would have even gotten that far it's helpful actually to see them as humans and to see they had moments of frustration because it just reminds us of how much courage it took to get as far as they did it wasn't preordained that they would become leaders in the first place
1: i think that's exactly right and to use the words of hamilton the play you know you're in the room where it happened you get to at least get one viewpoint. So sometimes you get other viewpoints, but it's up to you as the reader. And this is, I think, one of the other challenges here. You read the book of Deuteronomy and you have to read it as a critical reader, right? You're going to read something that Moses wrote about what he experienced and how he remembers it. You as a reader need to kind of weigh that out and then to also look deeper as a critical reader to try and understand, as we were just doing, you know, the situation that he was faced with, and what we can learn from it. And I I don't know that people read things critically at all. We sort of go through it, tell me the story, give me the the bullet points, and then we go on to the next thing. And I think that's part of what's being demanded of you as you read the book of Deuteronomy, if you really want to read it.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the great, great things about Judaism, is that we take our holy book, and we still read it critically. We don't accept it as something that's just meant to be um, read and absorbed and, and followed, we actually are encouraged to, to think critically about it, and that makes all the difference.
1: Well, I think you do that as a writer, by the way. I think you do try to shape the human being there. So you can't read the book about Lou Gehrig and say, well, it's all about that final speech that he gave at Yankee Stadium. Or you can't just see Al Capone as being you know, this murderous fiend, you have to see him as a human being. And you certainly do that with Dr. King. And I think that's part of it. And yet, when people read your books, they do cherry pick. They do read certain sections. And then those are the ones that keep getting repeated over and over again, that new nugget of information. So that I don't know if that frustrates you or what you feel your responsibility is as a writer to how people will read your book.
0: Well, I think it's important for me to remember that readers should be judging my book critically, and they should be looking for my own biases. You know, how much does my religious faith influence the way I approach Dr. King? How different would my book have been if it had been written by an atheist? How different would it have been if it had been written by a black man or a black woman? Uh, These are questions that readers should ask, and that's the spirit that I write in, knowing that, like, I'm not the final word. I am uh, one interpreter of this story, and uh, I hope that you know, just as, as we bring critical reading to the Bible, um, we bring critical reading to everything.
1: I think that's the hope. That's the hope. I certain that's the demand in the Jewish approach. What's interesting, and I'll, I'll end with this, is that's the role of commentators. One of the things that we have in Judaism, uh, if you look at a, a traditional, what's called a mikrot gedolot, a, uh, a large text, you have not only the text of the Torah, but you have multiple commentaries on the same page and they are oftentimes critical writers critical readers they're looking at the text and they're going to go through it and they're going to ask the questions that you should ask and if you actually learn this methodology and that's what jewish education is really about as we go through the text with rashi or with someone like ibn ezra what you start to learn is how to ask questions how to ask critical questions. What am I missing? There's a word here that should have been here. They're using a different way of asking the question in this particular case. So you become a much more critical listener. And I think that's one of the great aspects of this and that you do have this whole library of commentators who can really teach us how to ask and be good critics. And being a critic is not a negative, it's a positive because that's how we learn from each other at the end of the day
0: yeah I like that now it's uh served that purpose is served by Twitter with everybody complaining about what they don't like about my books and their, everything else they don't like is you know the the or the comments section of the of the newspaper articles online or the uh, amazon reviews right I mean in some ways i I'm, I'm joking, but in some ways it's a good thing because everybody can add their voice and add their, how it struck them and and we can if you feel like scrolling through those endless comments, you can see how how the world is reacting to something and that's not always a bad thing.
1: No, not at all. In fact, we only had certain voices that you would hear. Mm-hmm. And now we have a larger voice, and we can we can pay attention to it in a different way. But I really am devoting so much of my attention now to bringing white out back that uh... <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, thank you,
0: Rabbi.